So Dave, chapter 16, hold on to your butts, it's called <laughs> The Chamber of Secrets. <gasps> Here we go. Finally! Creevy saw it through his, through his camera. <laughs> through his camera. <laughs> Uh, I think Colin, Colin Creevy dedicated to the art of photography to the end there. Yeah, this is glorious. He's like, kind of, what's this? Well, I better take a photo of it anyway. Yeah. Um, I like the fact he's built it under the lake as well. So yeah. the three other like heads when they're building the castle, another long day building castles. <laughs> Where's Salazar again? He's out on the lake, I think. He's again? He spends a lot of time down I there. Just, having just... a good time, are you, Sally? Hey, <laughs> having a nice one. Hello. Welcome to Shark Liver Oil. This is a podcast about books. Very specifically, this series is about the second Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And even more excitingly, this is part four, the final part of our read-through of this. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. And even more exciting than that, we normally record these, a little look behind the curtain here, we normally record these remotely. But today we're literally in the same room. In the same place. I can see the whites of Dave's (laughs) eyes. <laughs> Everybody can confidently expect Matt's performance to be down a couple of notches from the sheer terror of actually being in the same room with me. Now, as ever, you can uh, you can get in touch with us if you want to offer a review of any books or offer any comments on it. Sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail dot com is the email address. We don't we don't hold to any of this newfangled social media. <laughs> if you want to get in touch. You get in touch and email. You, you've come a long way from I'm going to tweet every day of 2023. <laughs> like your forefathers did. You just send an email. So, where we last where we last left it, Harry was sort of still trying to work out who on earth is messing about with the Chamber of Secrets and setting this snake on people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's, worth, it's worth having a moment to reflect in it it has all gone very weird at hogwarts like just the things that we're kind of the 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 building blocks of this particular story are um child hears strange deeply unsettling whispers of violence mm. something 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 snakes yeah something 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 racial violence yeah. Something, something, something. The school's not been closed. Like they're still, they're still going. Children are literally, like, in, essentially in magical comas. And now yeah. we got to find out what it's all about. So yeah, that was at the end of the last part. Uh, the the minister for mag, basically the prime minister for the magical world, showed up and just said to Dumb, to said to Dumbledore, look, you've still not closed this school. Four kids have been paralysed. I kind of get the impression they've only just all found out of this sort of, <laughs> of paralysis. Dumbledore's been sitting there week after week with an email draft. Dear Minister, <laughs> it's my sad duty to inform... No. I'm sorry to, ha- to let you know that... No, no, no. Dear Minister, how are you? I am fine. Uh, yeah, bad things. They're bad <laughs> How do I start this email? But they have... Um, so so basically, yeah, when we started last, Dumbledore has just been turfed out temporarily um, and the castle's now in lockdown because there are so many kids just in the hospital. Just being murdered paralyzed. by a force that the most powerful wizards cannot begin to imagine or explain. Yeah, this this thing in the Chamber of Secrets, we do, we do discover what it is shortly. Um, I've kind of jumped the gun by saying it's a snake. But... Uh, it's 
it, it's basically got multiple attempted murders attached to its attached to its name. It's not managed to kill anyone yet. No, that's it. <laughs> it's it is simultaneously deeply disturbing, but also surprisingly inept exactly. as a like eldritch evil presence. Uh, Dumbledore's not the only one who's been sort of kicked out. Uh, Hagrid has been sent to Azkaban, and on his way out, he gave a clue saying, follow the spiders. Follow the spiders. So, <laughs> my last-ditch attempt here before I get put in the chokey for life. <laughs> the spiders, the spiders, that'll help. I'll just tell him that. By the way, can we just... I know we don't know a lot about Azkaban yet, and I will come to that in the next book, but, like, is it entertaining you at all, the idea of somebody as, like, fundamentally badass as Hagrid going into Azkaban? Because I get the sense that within a week, he's going to be running that joint. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just so terrifyingly huge that there's no way... It, like, anybody tries any funny business in Azkaban, and he's going to be like, right, well, it seems like you work for me now. Yeah. I expect the first thing they do when you show up is take your wand away. Yeah. And that's the one thing that all the other wizards have kind of got on Hagrid. Because right. I wouldn't imagine he's great like in terms yeah. of spellability. Yeah. But if it's coming down to just sort of brute strength. Sheer fists. Yeah. I think he'll be all right. <laughs> I think he'll be all right in there. So chapter 15's Aragog. Basically, Ron and Harry are going to follow Hagrid's advice um, to fairly dramatic effect. So the, the castle's in lockdown. There's no spiders anywhere. And um, Malfoy's sort of loving it because his dad's got rid of Dumbledore finally, <laughs> and he's he's creeping on Snape in this in the potions lesson. He's going, "Oh, Professor Snape, why don't you go for the headmaster's job?" And Snape's kind of like smirking. Like, oh, <laughs> could it be me? It could be me. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I'm not the most evil. Okay, there's plenty of people more evil than me. But if you know, if asked to serve, I will reluctantly. Yeah. Um, in Herbology, Ernie McMillan. Um, <laughs> Ernie McMillan, Liberal Democrat candidate for Tunbridge West. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start calling it, yeah. Ernie McMillan, Conservative. <laughs> he, he comes up He comes up to Harry and goes, look, turns out, now that Hermione's been petrified as well, I believe it isn't you. The Hufflepuffs are just catching up to sort of chapter three, because yeah. they're, they're now saying... What about this Malfoy character? <laughs> Maybe it's him. Do you know, it seems he may not have our best interest absolutely at heart. Yeah. I'm shocked. No, I, yeah, I love that. I love I love particularly the way that... It, so he's called Ernie Smith, which already invites McMillan. the idea of... Yeah, right? And then, But it also invites the sort of... The, exactly the tone that he adopts, which is this sort of like kind of brisk, brusque kind of like dad generation guy you can see the kind of hanging moustache and he's kind of going well I mean isn't it yes good that's done then what about this Malfoy character listen now let's talk about the enemy so so Harry's like yeah yeah is he's accepting this apology they they realise that the only spiders they can see are heading off towards the forest. So Ron's like, ah. Follow the spiders. Follow the spiders. Ron's never been to the forest. This is something that we kind of almost missed the first time because Ron got out of the... the they got Basically, Harry's been in the 
Forbidden Forest once before because he got put in detention in book one and that was his detention. Was to go to the Forbidden Forest. Yeah, and Ron got out of it because he wasn't... Such a weird detention. There's a really terrifying woodland over there. Go there unaccompanied. Yeah. That's your detention. But Ron got out of it because he was... This was... It was... The detention was for one of the few capers that Ron wasn't involved with. <laughs> he was not with. present, yeah. So he's no experience of it and Harry's like, oh, you've never been there. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> you don't know, man. You weren't there. <laughs> but... The fact that now Lockhart's walking around the school, sort of putting it about that the chamber is sort of probably closed itself because of his very presence. He's like, I think the I think the culprit knew I was going to catch him sooner or later, so it's gone <laughs> so it's, with no evidence. That I mean, that takes some chutzpah, doesn't it? That takes <laughs> sheer front to be like four children are in comas. The school's in a state of emergency. And on no evidence whatsoever, I'm just going to go, yeah, it's finished now. It's over. My presence, which has been, been, I've been here since the beginning this started happening. Now, four is enough. Hmm? They wouldn't dare go beyond four because of me and how impressive I am. Exactly. Well, Harry and Ron decide tonight they're going to go into the Forbidden Forest, continue their inquiries, regardless of what Lockhart says. So, uh, in they go. They, they Obviously, they use the cloak to get out of the, get out of the castle. Um, the, the shenanigans cloak the, the all-purpose plot device cloak <laughs> i need to get harry out <gasps> invisibility cloak genius they decide they might need some backup in the forest so they go to hagrid's hut first and get uh, fang the massive dog um but Hard he's re- to argue with that that logic eh? <laughs> he's really excited to see them he starts barking so they give him one of those like treats that Hagrid's been making which is like these caramel things that basically glues his, glues glues his, his teeth to together <laughs> <laughs> so what we're hoping now is that Fang the dog with the fangs that we're taking for security will uh, just give our enemies a very hard stare that's that's <laughs> what we're hoping for I think again in book one they had Fang and he just bolted as soon as first sign of trouble not... I don't think he's great in a crisis but they've got him anyway all... <laughs> he's all mouth and no trousers and they've just glued his mouth together. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So they go into the forest. They use, obviously, the Lumos spell, so they, they turn the wands into little sort of torches. Presumably just Harry does it, because God knows what's going to happen if Ron tries this spell with his wand. Ron tried... <laughs> just cut to wizarding news. Tragedy today as Hogwarts was levelled from the ground. <laughs> it's, just this, it's just this crater just outside the forest. <laughs> so we're about to go in. <laughs> And then Lockhart just Lockhart just standing at the edge of it going, oh, it's nothing to do with me, of course. If only you'd have listened to me, I would have prevented all of this. Yeah. If, uh, if only they'd come here sooner, I knew the exact counter curse. I could have saved them. <laughs> <laughs> so in they go. Uh, Harry's, as they're walking along the path, Harry's like, the one thing Hagrid did say is, it's not too bad as long as you follow the path. Yeah. They immediately look down and see all the spiders are leaving the path. So they leave the path. And <laughs> I'm not sure how many times I've had reason to say during this particular recording what could possibly go wrong, but this is definitely a what could possibly go wrong moment. They're in the undergrowth and they they hear something big moving and they're like, oh no, what's this? And it comes out of the bushes. It's the car. <laughs> Amazing. This, this took a Stephen King type turn for me <laughs> at this point, yeah. isn't it? Is it from a Buick 6 or whatever, a Buick 8? Which is about, well, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it's, it's about an unusually present car or um, or even maximum overdrive, right, with where all the cars are possessed, basically. Yeah. Um, and like, I just, 
I love the idea of doing that, but doing that in the context of like a Potter book, where basically it's like a puppy. It's just like kind of, hello, I'm here. I am the car. I am here to help. Where shall we go? <laughs> um, they don't have much time to enjoy the reunion because they're immediately grabbed by spiders. I'm talking big spiders. Some of these are horse-sized spiders. Horse-sized spiders. <laughs> and they, uh, they take them to sort of King of the Spiders, who's called, name of the chapter, Aragog. Aragog. I, this is, I mean, this is, this is disquieting. If you have even the slightest disposition to find spiders a little bit creepy, yeah. this sequence is a, bit, is a bit worrying. I also think it's more than a little bit, like, it's definitely ambitious, isn't it? Cause, because this is a, this is a spy, this is a, a, like, it's loads of huge spiders. Mm. As if the author has looked at Lord of the Rings and then gone, one massive spider. One? One? I've got a woodland full of them. Here we go. Well, this reminded me of The Hobbit because the, the dwarves get um, captured by spiders in The Hobbit, do you remember? I'd forgotten that. And we'd done a podcast on that. <laughs> oh, sure no. Did, yeah. Oh. But yeah it's, yeah, but it's very similar. But again, she's kind of combined the two because there's all the sort of biggish spiders in The Hobbit. Mm. And there's the one massive spider in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And there's both. <laughs> so she's like J.R.R. Tolkien had no ambition. I'm going big. She's like J.R.R. You've got spiders on one hand, big spider on the other. Put your hands together. <laughs> now we're talking. Now you've got Aragog. So they they put in front of Aragog. They sort of through their conversation here, we work out what actually what the history is here, and we find out a bit more about. Hagrid's involvement with yeah. the Chamber of Secrets, or lack of. Yeah. So, Ag- Aragog was this spider that Hagrid had as a pet when he was at school. As you do. Yeah. And Aragog was the the thing that the monster that was sort of Hagrid got sent down for uh, when he when he yeah. got in trouble at school. Yeah. Um, which we saw in the flashback. Which we saw in the flashback. Yeah. So Aragog escaped, uh, and has sort of lived in the forest ever since. And Hagrid goes out and sort of looks after him or sees him. Yeah. Um, he's got all these other spiders now um, through like generations, um, and the monster, the actual, the actual real monster that's sort of yeah. running amok in the castle, yeah. is one that spiders fear most. Ugh. And, uh, <laughs> and is it a well wielded flip flop? Like, <laughs> 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 it's a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> Is the hu- that's the twist, like they always do. The most dangerous animal of all. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So so Harry and Ron are like, okay, yeah, thanks for the information, thanks for the chat. We'll just be um, we'll be off now. Yeah. And Aragog pulls the the old leave. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I particularly love this because so so I I have two questions about about Aragog. Yeah. First of all. We're given to understand that he, he there's just one spider, and that somehow um, he's ended up with descendants, which implies that possibly there was another big spider in the woods somewhere with whom Aragog could breed, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, I, okay, all right, forbidden forest. You know, not sure what's forbidden about it. Maybe it's that there's a massive spider in there just <laughs> looking to get pregnant. Okay, cool, excellent. 
The second bit, though, is that Aragog literally says, almost in so many words in this passage, he's like, out of respect for Hagrid, I've never eaten any humans. I've lived at peace with the humans in this castle. And then they try and go, and he goes, yes, but now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> like, so we'll be eating you now. And it's just such an amazing, like, kind of like, He's pitched as his sort of like wise presence in the forest of like kind of wise but terrifying. Oh, yes, very wise, very terrifying with no moral compass whatsoever. Just the first time a human wanders in there and encounters him, he's like, well, in many ways, I took that moral stance less out of respect for Hagrid and more out of uh, laziness. I didn't really want to go to the castle. So come here, your lunch, your dinner. Here we go. That feels like very much his stance here, isn't it? It's that... I've had this agreement with Hagrid that I'm not going to go up to the, to the castle and start picking kids off. Yeah. Because that is a problem. But I think he says, like, I can't deny my uh, my brothers and sisters my fresh hunger. meat <laughs> when it wanders so freely into their grass. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to go up there and start picking kids off. But if you wander in here. Uh, yeah. It's, my, <laughs> my self-control only goes so far. <laughs> yeah. If I see you, I will eat you. That's that's it. Out of respect for Hagrid. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's not looking good for the plucky pair. But then, obviously, they've got an ally in the forest. The car the rides car! to the rescue. <laughs> now that's maximum overdrive right there. <laughs> you love to see it. And it comes. <laughs> that car's a game day player. Absolutely. Wasn't expecting to learn how to fly. Flew all the length of Great Britain with an absolute minimum of incident. It's certainly got, for a first time out. It's got flip-flops lashed to its tyres <laughs> like, like chains. Just running them over. Ford, Ford Anglia. Spider crusher. So they sort of it, it yeah, it comes tearing out of the out of the undergrowth. They jump in, they escape just about. And uh once they sort of once they reach safety, like the car like drops them off, and Ron Ron's absolutely raging because he's, <laughs> he's he's terrified of spiders anyway. He's like, oh, Hag- what is Hagrid doing getting us into this? And um, and Harry's trying to defend him, saying, oh, you know, he's he's just he, he, he always thinks the best of these monsters. And Ron's like, that's exactly Hagrid's problem. Look where he's got him. He's in Azkaban. We don't disagree on what's happened here. We just disagree on how angry we ought to be about it. I mean, Ron's absolutely right. What yeah. was Hagrid thinking? I just... It's a good sort of benevolent, like, dunderhead. Really, is Hagrid. Just to be like, what I'm going to do is... I'm, I know that Aragog wants to eat all the humans. Because hmm. I've had to specifically tell him not to eat all the humans. But... I think the best way to solve the problem with all the humans being killed by a mysterious creature is to send these two humans to find a different mysterious creature in the most cryptic way possible. Just yeah. follow the spiders. <laughs> I mean, how, when you hear the sentence, follow the spiders, do you really expect that you're going to end up talking to an unexpectedly ravenous and ancient spider? Like, <laughs> is that what you were expecting? Yeah, so I mean, the problem they've got here now is... The, the chat with Aragog, although Ron's furious with Hagrid, it's kind of got Hagrid off the hook insofar yeah. as his involvement with the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. But the kind of investigation goes cold there because he was their only real that... suspect. So actually, actually, he's not trying to help them deal with the Chamber of Secrets at all. He's just, his last act is just trying to get himself <laughs> off the hook. Like, oh no, I'm on the very edge of going, I've, I've literally already gone down for this. Yeah. I must prove my own innocence by endangering the lives of these 12-year-olds. <laughs> 
But um, but they think back to something that Aragog said, and he said he obviously he's very insistent he's never killed anybody um, until tonight. Until tonight. <laughs> but, uh, but he said uh, he also said a girl. The reason it all really kicked off last time, a girl died in the bathroom, and they're like, "Hang on a minute." Wait a minute. Wait here. a minute. Do we know a deceased bathroom presence? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> She's always moaning. I just, I love, I do actually really like this as a little thing where it's like they've just like, they've taken it as granted that Myrtle is just a moaner. He's just kind of a, just, she's just going to mutter and complain and that what she has to say couldn't possibly be of any use whatsoever. Yeah. And they've literally been running their secret operation to try and find whatever the hell's going on in the Chamber of Secrets out of the place that she never leaves. And they never <laughs> thought to ask, Myrtle, do you know anything about this secret situation? So you've been here for a while. Uh, any insights? They just don't bother. I like how she'll have been sitting in that U-bend, listening to them <laughs> talk about the Chamber of Secrets for this whole time. And has been like, nah. No. You make them wait, make them come to you. So Dave, chapter 16, hold on to your butts. It's called <laughs> The Chamber of Secrets. <gasps> Here we go. Finally. So cha- the chamber, it turns out the chamber must be in the girls, hang on a minute, exams. So... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that completely perfect as an image of whatever you actually cared about at school? You're like, whatever happened, what, you were like... The things you really cared about at school had just had to fit in around, and now we'll sit and talk about something you don't care about for an hour. You know what I mean? (laughs) It really is as well. Like literally, the the plot stops for exams here. Like it, it grinds to a halt, and they've got to revise three days. Um, they do loads of revision three days before the first exam it's like time passes now yeah they're just sitting sitting going well it seems like we might be able to deal with this thing that's that's sending a lot of our friends into comas (laughs) but you can't mess around with exams can you you gotta gotta get the grades i love it though because this is what sort of being at school at this age is like yeah. there are things that you feel are an absolute matter of life and death yeah and the biggest you sort of it will just change your like it's the importance is just phenomenal but then like real world things like exams start and you just got to drop everything and do that and yeah. like all your all your all your sort of personal things that seem really important have just got to wait yeah i mean the slight caveat being people are literally being paralysed here and they're still holding <laughs> exams so a bit different. and I might have the solution to it but double French come on yeah so um, so there are the, some good news the mandrakes are nearly ready uh, so they'll be it's such a weird plot point this the plants <laughs> that look like babies which scream really loud and are yep. the only way that you can heal somebody from being paralysed by a presence nobody by the way are we I mean I, I, I know that we are but how are they sure that the mandrakes are the solution to the paralyzing? They don't know what's doing the paralyzing. They just know that somebody's paralyzed, right? Like, talk about treating the symptom rather than the disease. Like, what happens if they're given the mandrake stuff? They've spent the entire year growing these mandrakes to get the magic medicine put together. Yeah. And then it turns out that the cause was something completely different. They go- I mean, that is Lockhart-esque, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I think if, you, if you're pom-free, like you... It's got all the symptoms of paralysis. It's been triaged. 
You just need deal the, with deal with the paralysis. The I mean, I'd have thought in the wizarding world would have sort of ready-made mandrake juice that you could buy. I mean, yes, yeah. grow your own. <laughs> grow your own. <laughs> yeah. Paralysis is something that happens. But we see no point in maintaining a stockpile. Again, the Ministry of Magic absolutely asleep at the switch here. Where's the Ministry of Magical Health? That's what I want. Exactly. To know. Again, I think this is like we said before about how little Dumbledore must be paying the teachers for the quality <laughs> he's got for the defense against the dark arts. I reckon he's just again he's just trying to save a bit of money. He's like, all oh, right, Pomfrey's come soon. She's been like, we need um, we need some mandrake juice in case people get paralyzed. He's gone, okay. How much is that? Looked at the bill and go, no, I'm not paying that. Grow it. I'm, yeah, grow your own. I wish I wish you to buy those little seeds that you can get. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a green house. Grow your own. Go, 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 go on then. Horticultural teacher. Go on. I'm paying for the greenhouses. <laughs> oh dear. Right. So yeah. Anyway, the mandrake mandrakes are nearly ready. So they so they this actually takes some of the sort of concern out of the um, the mission. For yeah. Harry and Ron, they're like, well, if the Mandex juice is nearly ready, or whatever it is, then they'll Hermione will be deparalyzed. They'll be able to tell the kids are able to tell everyone who's been paralyzing them, and then mystery solved. So we don't need to worry about it anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's not dealing with the thing, is it? That's just like they're like that's not dealing with the thing that's doing the paralyzing. Somebody wakes up and goes, "It's this terrifying thing that can paralyze anybody with a single glance." Turns out. Uh, or you know, and it would actually kill people unless you, unless you. Uh, oh, sorry, spoilers. We are coming to it, but like, that's not going to deal with the situation. That's just them ad- adapting themselves to this terrible thing rather than dealing with the problem, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they were charging ahead with this plan, um, with sort of the mandrake juice nearly ready. I wonder if we were, we would also be. Slamming them for saying, look, just wait. <laughs> just wait. What are you throwing yourselves That's... into danger for? Do you Come mean on. to say that after a very long time doing this podcast with me, Matt, you've noticed that I'm going to give somebody a hard time for their 50-50 choices either way? <laughs> um, Ginny, Ginny's got something to say. Um, she almost says it and then doesn't, so we never know what it is. Oh. Um, <laughs> but Percy explains rather shamefacedly. This takes a turn. He's like, yeah, I think... Um, so, hmm, I think... Ginny walked in on me doing something, uh, and it and it, I think she's <laughs> she, I think she wants to tell someone. It's, it's all fine. It's, it was, there's it was, nothing to be. <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you what it was. Um, it's it's fine. It's <laughs> just this sequence. I was sort of turning it. the pages, shaking my head like, "Are you we? I mean, are you trying to do that thing that you know kids' movies do sometimes, where they put in a joke for the parents that's supposed to slide over the heads of the because." This is, this, I, I hesitate to consider <laughs> what Percy might have been caught doing. <laughs> oh dear. Right, so um, Ron and Harry still want to do a bit of investigating, like you say. They can't, there you they can't go, you see. They can't let it go. So And they get the perfect chance because the teachers take you between the lessons now because yeah. it's on lockdown. Yeah. And of course... When Lockhart's turn comes to take him down the corridor, he gets about halfway and just thinks, oh, can't be bothered. So he says, oh, you'll be all right. Find your own way. So they get to then run yeah. off and go to the morning metal girl's bathroom. But they caught, they're caught by McGonagall. So they come up with a very quick excuse and oh, we want to go and see Hermione. So then they end up not in the girl's bathroom, but in the 
uh, hospital wing, seeing yeah. Hermione just sitting with this paralysed. <laughs> like, like, well, I, uh, what do we do now? All right. <laughs> <laughs> but they notice there's a there's a note in her hand, and they manage to sort of wheedle. So sort of like the paralysed fist has got oh, a note man. in it. Yeah. So they wheedle it out. Yeah. And they find out what she's what she's realised, what she's written about here, what she's been finding out. Two words: basilisk and pipes. Uh, there you go. Uh, so this is what the monster is. It's like a massive snake, a basilisk. Yeah. Um, and of course, the way it's getting about invisibly, it's moving through the pipes. I thought this was quite quite a neat yeah. solution to it. Although, are there, is there not also water in the pipes? Like, isn't the point of the pipes is that they like sort of force water through them at quite high pressure? So, like, isn't this just a, a like a very movable blockage in the in the plumbing system? <laughs> you think that whenever there's an attack, the one thing that no one's really talked about is how like all the bogs have just sort of yes, exploded. Like, like, <laughs> it was it was uncanny. In the twenty minutes before she was paralysed, I tried to flush the toilet, and I mean, let me tell you, I, I was lucky to get out of there alive. <laughs> In the hospital wing, they've got the first time it happened. They've got like who was it first? It Creevy or Mrs yeah. Norris? Um, Creevy. And then someone with like a student with a broken shoulder who's just been sort of blasted <laughs> off the toilet. <laughs> now, okay, mysterious, mysterious, extremely mysterious. <laughs> it's going. What happened to this one? Oh, you don't want to know. Some sort of toilet mishap. I didn't want to ask questions. So what killed Myrtle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just look up the toilet where she died. Look above it, and there's just this sort of like scratched a myrtle shaped dent in the ceiling. <laughs> like a cartoon. Like a <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I just. I mean, oh, seriously dear. though, just like you're just gonna get water popping out of weird sort of, you know. <laughs> oh dear right so it's moving through the pipes um and they sort of they then they, they then sort of they actually make quite a few jumps here but quite well so they they work out so what's supposed to happen when you see a basilisk is it kills you instantly mm. if you look at it which is turns out this is this is how um this is how myrtle died yeah. uh, in real life in, in reality is sort of someone yeah, she's she's sort of, she's, she's in the, in the loo, and this this thing comes out. She sees it. She dies. Yeah. Um, and the reason the kids haven't died is if you sort of get a glancing blow, if you don't see it directly, you're paralysed. So, Mrs. The, the cat sort of saw the basilisk's reflection in the water, um, and then I think like Creevy saw it through his through his camera. <laughs> through his camera. <laughs> Uh, I Colin Colin Creevy dedicated to the art of photography to the end there. Yeah. I mean, it's glorious. He's like kind of what's this? Well, I better take a photo of it anyway. Yeah, yeah he just he's just seen something move at the corner of his eye and the camera's up. The camera's away. up immediately. Absolute legend. He might be like he might be become the greatest photographer of his generation. Absolutely. He's, he's got my hair trigger. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the idea, though, that he's got a camera absolutely, and in this pre-digital age as well, he's got a camera full of, like, leaves that moved unexpectedly or whatever. Just means <laughs> like, in the woods. Wait, what was that? Oh, it was a leaf. Yeah. Um, and obviously Hermione and this Ravenclaw girl, they were carrying a mirror. 
so they must because they been... were trying to check it out. Exactly. Why did Why did Hermione you know, like collaborate with somebody from Ravenclaw? Was that? A... I wonder if they sort of just. I would. I would assume here they just sort of she bumped into them in the corridor because everyone else is at the Quidditch, Quidditch pitch. Uh, just like, well, come here because yeah, something. So, really so there's a situation. Yeah. So um, and also, I mean, there was this thing the the roosters. All, all Hagrid's roosters got killed at the start, which I think we really mentioned. Oh yeah, but, um, yeah. Snakes are uh, basilisks. Snakes are afraid of roosters, I think, and um, the spiders are afraid of snakes. So yeah. it all fits together basically. Yeah, right. um, they decide they've got to go and tell McGonagall, who's now headmaster. Uh, but then a, a, a sort of announcement comes over the tannoy or the magical tannoy, whatever it is. All the students, all the students, <laughs> have got to go to the room. Yeah. It's like, oh, another attack. Kidding yeah. me. At this yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what's happened this time? No one's been paralysed. No one's been killed again. Oh. Um, Ginny has been taken to the chamber and, wait for this, scrawled on the sort of wall where she was taken is the message her bones, no, her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever. So That's dark. It is dark. That's heavy. But, like, I, I, I sort of missed this a little bit, though. So there's something scrawled on the wall, which we've had before. But the last time we had that, it was like, what on earth is going on? Yeah. And this time, it seems, everybody seems to have inferred from it that she's been taken to the Chamber of Secrets. Which is a really weird thing to sort of get to, because nobody knows where this thing is. And everybody's been like, how do we open this? Like, where is it? Like, nobody can just go and check it. Like, yeah. the chamber is open. What does that even mean? You know. So, but this time, everybody just jumps right to, oh, and she's in it. Whoa. Yeah. You know. Well, I think everyone's kind of jumped to, she's she's a goner. And uh, and sort of McGonagall speaks, sort of speaks to Harry and Ron. She's like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Regret to inform you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> is this actually I didn't put it in my notes I think they may we may have a invisibility cloak yeah. sort of caper going on here because yeah. Harry and Ron are managing to listen in on the like conversation yeah. in Headmaster's office because yeah. Lockhart bursts in and um, and like I think it's Snape's like alright Gilders it's time for you it's time for you to so, you keep talking about how you know where the chamber is yeah. like talking yourself up this is your chance you're yeah. going to have to go and save her and he's like okay fine so he heads off. <laughs> if I must. Yeah, he heads off to be the hero. Um, Harry and Ron decide they've got to sort of they've got to help him out. Yeah. They can't sort of they can't leave him they can't leave him to his fate. Yeah. They've got information that might help. Yeah. He's going to go down there and get get himself killed if he doesn't yeah. know it's a basilisk. They go to his office to see him, and Lockhart's sort of hastily packing his bags. He's out. <laughs> he's out of here. He's gone. <laughs> he's like. Ron's like, you're the defence against the dark ass teacher. <laughs> Where are you going? You are literally, and I know that this has been laughable since the 1st of September this year, but nonetheless, you are the muscle. Where are you going? <laughs> and and they, they, like, Ron's saying, you've done all these amazing things. Just do another one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you, I love that Ron's, like, Ron clearly thinks he's a bit of a fool, but he's also sort of taking him at his own estimation. Like, he's like... Yeah. You can't possibly have been lying about all of this. Yeah. And it feels like a real death of innocence moment for Ron, isn't it? Where he's like, kind of, oh, you yeah. were. <laughs> yeah. Because, Every last bit. Because he was. Because what he's been doing is he find, he's basically, he's, he's basically f- tracking down all these amazing wizards who've done these incredible feats of bravery. And he's really good at memory charms. He basically gets the story, 
blasts the memory away from them, basically yeah. turns them into sort of like unable to remember anything. Yeah. Takes the credit. And he tries to do this again with Harry and Ron. Harry and Ron get the be- get the drop on him and blast him off his feet. D- take him hostage. Hey. And drag him off to the chamber hey, so no, he'll come in with him. us. <laughs> Love it. I love He's this. Amazing. I love this 13 year old justice that's going on <laughs> just here. Just like, well, there's a chamber around here, and everybody says that it's lethal. And this guy, <laughs> this guy, well, he's a knob. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I love the fact that, I mean, I love the sense of justice in forcing Lockhart down here after he's made all these big, big claims. Yeah. In terms of what they're going to get out of it, it feels like they're just shackling themselves with like a useless loose cannon in a mission that's already dangerous enough. But um, we'll see how he goes. I, I do see what you mean, by the way. Like this, um, uh, in the first episode, you said, you know, you're like, you, you think Lockhart's a proper wronger. Mm. And I agree with you, I have to say. Like, because I, I had forgotten like the shape of this story and where it goes. But just that he's built this entire career off of stealing people's memories. Is like, is like, is appalling, and I just I sort of love that Harry and Ron are like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh yeah, no, 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 it's really dark because if you think about it, what he's done not only is he's nicked these memories, he's he's left a trail of people who are basically like invalided now. They can't yeah. do anything. Yeah, and they were some of the most talented, yeah, um, and bravest like wizards in the world have been. Just completely, like, yeah, destroyed. For the sake of a profile. For, for the, the s- sake of a profile, yeah. yeah. It's really dark. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah it, I suppose it, it's not only the, the monstrous act, it's the sort of the, the banality of the ends as well. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's yeah, all just yeah. to serve this guy's All ego. just to enable him to be the, you know, most attractive wizard five years running or whatever it is in that, in yeah. that magazine. Yeah, because yeah. later when, when this sort of curse backfires, he's just sort of... Yeah, he's he's unable to do anything. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's just so useless. Yeah, yeah. So they go to the they go to the uh, girls' bathroom. They get this story out of Myrtle how she died, um, which we've, we've we've mentioned. She just saw these yellow eyes, and that was that was that was it. Yeah. Um, they realise that two of the taps have like these snake designs. And like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. This before. Uh, I just I love I love the the sort of I know that this is absolutely what you do when you've got a secret a secret kind of passageway somewhere or something. You always make sure that you leave an intricate and and if you think about it, probably quite hard to manufacture and install clue <laughs> yeah. in the physical surroundings. We're we're solidly back in the land of the Da Vinci Code here. Yeah. <laughs> like so, what this means is that you know um, uh, Salazar Slytherin. When he, uh, when he, when he made the Chamber of Secrets, first of all, was like, if I have the entrance in the toilets, is that silly, <laughs> or is that amazing? <laughs> I think it's amazing. And then was like, and when I have the entrance to the secret evil place in the toilets, uh, what if there was some sort of clue on the on the taps? <laughs> Let's do the taps. That's evil. That's a really great evil bit of symbolism. The taps. <laughs> what? Outside of like, yeah, how practically he does this, or what he must have been thinking to pick the toilets as the, the, the portal to his, <laughs> his grand chamber. <laughs> to his evil scheme. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I do like the the fact that this is where it happens in terms of like the author's decision and the kids reading it because like the school toilets were that place which are like a little bit outside the law it's yeah. like it's where you go to you, like sometimes like kids would go to have a smoke yeah. or like if you wanted to bunk off and yeah. you to get out of it you could like go to the toilet and then like you kind of it was kind of like yeah. it felt i don't know a little bit outside of the bounds of like the law like yeah. because you're moving out of the jurisdiction that... of the school and into this like, <laughs> international waters which was the toilet so for, so for that to be the portal to the sort of the, the yeah. big scary chamber that kind of makes weird sense That's, I think. that is that is very interesting that is very very interesting actually and i yeah because it's interesting because i i i recognize what you're talking about there I sort of hope that in the time since you and I left school, that has ceased somewhat to be quite so much the case. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely a little bit Wild West, right? Yeah, I'd hope so too. But yeah, I think for anyone of our generation who had the fl- head flushed down the toilet, they would recognise <laughs> this is a place of potential danger, which is the toilet. <laughs> oh dear. So, um, so yeah, so so Harry tries the old parcel tongue party trick. Yeah. Says, open up. In snake, and, <laughs> and, and the... I love your snake voice. By the way, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I hope I get the chance to do it again. I think I might be able to. I think the snake talk, or at least someone talks to a snake later on. Yeah. So this this sort of this this entrance opens. This they go down this massive slide, and they end up underneath the lake. So I can't call like this. How do they know they're underneath the lake? I, like... I, I expect it, maybe like there's like. Maybe the roof's like dripping or something. Slightly dripping. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't it know. smells damp. And yeah, it smells lakey. Yeah. <laughs> there, is a, there is a lake kind of smell, do you not think? Yeah, but I'm not sure how I would distinguish that from just the general smell of being underground. Yeah, yes, like, that's a good point, yeah. I, I also, by the way, again, a fantastic uh, architectural decision from Salazar Slytherin here. So put it in the toilets, do the secret clue taps, and then when you open it up, have a really fun fairground ride. <laughs> slide, yeah. Wee death. <laughs> I suppose it makes sense with what he's got down there to have sort of like basically one big pipe. Yeah. Which they which they've slid down. Um, I like the fact he's built it under the lake as well. So yeah. the three other like heads when they're building the castle, another long day. Building castles to where's Salazar again? He's out on the lake, I think. He's again, spends a lot of time down I there. I just, I mean, I, you know, and I, I'm not being funny, but I spend a lot of time on these greenhouses, right? And where's he been? Where's he been? Another day on the boat on the lake. He's Having just... a good time, are you, Sally? Hey, <laughs> having just, a nice one. Every day he's working on it. There's this boat in the lake with like a like a little sort of straw mock-up of him in the bow <laughs> to fool the others while he's working away, beavering away below the below the lake. <clears throat> what are you building? Oh it's uh oh, it's a slide. Yeah. 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 Oh dear. Anyway, so yeah, they get the they have this nasty shock when they get to the bottom because they think the snake's there. They realise it's this massive snake skin. I quite like this. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, builds, yeah, yeah. lays the yeah. tension a bit because yeah. they get a look at just how big it is without actually seeing yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, in this sort of, in this shock, they sort of take their eye off Lockhart, who's still there. He gets. <laughs> this also reminded me a callback to one of our other books. 
this reminded me of the slide down into the raptor nest in Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, where, where they they dragging Gennaro along yeah. for no apparent reason other than they just want to they just want to <laughs> troll him. Punish him for it. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, doing yeah. it here in Lockhart, but um, he gets a drop on him, gets Ron's wand. Like, sorry boys, <laughs> game's over. You know where this is going. <laughs> Say good night. And he <laughs> tries to do his charm. It obviously backfires in his face because Ron's wand isn't worth the sort of paper it's written on these days. And um, and he, he basically does this massive backfiring memory charm on himself. And Lockhart ends up just being, I don't know, he's just he's just gone. It's just, well, it's just, and a, <laughs> an, an empty hole full of full of the ambition of vainglory, but absolutely none of the none of the chops to actually pull it off. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and I suppose and as a little little sort of footnote. Uh, there go all those memories of all those wizards as well. Yeah. Apart from what he wrote down, the rest of it's uh, gone I forever. Mean, right, like dark. It's just the worst. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's on the surface is the guy you love to hate. Yeah, but dig deeper, and yeah, as I said at he's, the start, he's one of the worst in the entire series. Loathsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so he's he's even more useless, but at least no longer a threat. Um, unfortunately, his attempt to fire off this charm has brought down half the ceiling. Harry's on one side, Ron's on the other, and lock, uh, lock carts with Ron for what it's worth. So Harry's got to continue alone. Alone. That's uh, yeah, you're right. That is quite dark. You've got to get the hero on his own, though, right? Like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, the, I would. I would say one of the things that I think. I mean, I really like this this book as a follow up, but it feels. Like they kind of follow a very similar path here, yeah. and like circumstances, they, there's, there's the big final battles coming up. Circumstances conspire to separate isolate Harry. Harry from his friend, who uh, he's previously had to explain the plot to as we go along, right? Yeah. Like, and then we're into, then we're into sort of the final battle, one on one, or one on two, as this will turn out. So, chapter seventeen, the heir of Slytherin, Harry, um, is the heir of Slytherin. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Harry walks in. I love this again. The the, the main chamber is uh, is basically all built around this massive statue of Salazar Slytherin, which is obviously <laughs> put there himself. He's put there himself. <laughs> yeah. And there's something. There's actually something really amazing about that, isn't there? Of like kind of quite quite apart from where he found the time to carve an amazing statue of himself while everybody else was building the rest of Hogwarts, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, Actually, that's a great thing. Like, imagine coming coming across him halfway through the thing of like, kind of, Sally, where have you been, man? We've been building the great hall, got the stuff in there for the magic snow. Like, we, you know, I've, I've been putting my back into this. What are you doing, Sally? Is that a, is that a statue of yourself? Is that a massive statue of you? What are you doing? What's the? I'm beginning to question my decision to go into the education sector with you. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> I reckon. I don't reckon anyone ever saw it. I think he went down and did it, just built it himself. But I think if this was in response to, I'd imagine because all the other three got on really well. Yeah, they've all built statues of each other yeah. for each other. For each other, and nice little gift. He's all sort of upset and alone, and he's just gone down beneath the lake and built a big one <laughs> of himself. Show to himself. Yeah. I wonder where the basilisk was at that moment, actually, because he's he's hardly like he can do. He can work with the basilisk just in there. Just wait, wait your turn. Yeah. Just bide your time. All right. Got a big statue to make. Yeah. Right. Must have done some basilisk training as well uh, while he was there. Because you go. Um, <laughs> just imagine him not only like chiseling his own face out of granite as an act of sheer petty revenge, but also 
every five seconds breaking off to hiss in parcel tongue. Shops over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it would be sort of a, a toddler basilisk at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's but, right. Oh, just, just give me a minute. Just watch the video. Cocomelon. Off you go. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so this big statue and beneath it is Ginny. She's out cold, but she's still alive. How he can sort of can can tell from just sort of checking, um, and as he's just checking to see how she is, he hears this voice behind him. She won't wake. <gasps> it's Tom Riddle. Oh, oh. oh. and I like everything's it. fine. We thought we thought he was alone. Luckily, Tom's here to help out, but he's acting a bit weird. He's like. Uh, Harry's like, come on, help me. We've got to get her out of here. Yeah. I mean, Harry's not really questioning the fact that this kid's still alive. Like this an apparition, an apparition of this. He's basically yeah. taking whatever help he can get. Yeah. He's like, come, <laughs> I don't care who you are. What, what's happened? Come I out. suppose if for an entire year your only defense against really terrible things happening has been Gilderoy Lockhart, yeah, the apparent ghost of a former student of the school is going to seem fantastic, brilliant, yeah. great. Come yeah. over here, get involved. And he's like, you're going to help me. The the basilisk could be here any minute. And Tom just goes, no, no, it won't come till it's cold. And I love that line. (laughs) It tells you all you need to know that, doesn't it? About where this is going. Um, So we get the sort of Tom. Tom does the old, let me tell you my dastardly plan routine. So he texts us. Every time. (laughs) Every time. They don't just kill him. No, no, no. I'm monologuing. <laughs> I've got something to tell you. So um, it turns out Ginny found the diary first and she started writing in it and obviously Tom responded as yeah. like in the way Harry did and basically started to sort of work on her, basically kind of groomed her. Yeah, he, um, yeah. He sort of, until he became powerful enough to start sort of, so, so she poured her like heart out effectively into the yeah. diary yeah. and she did enough of that where he could start sort of pouring a bit of his soul into her and start to contr- physically yeah. start to control her. Yeah. Um, he starts to sort of mimic Ginny's increasingly like frantic messages into the diary as she's saying, I don't know who to turn to and all this. And he's sort of almost laughing at her about like how, how pathetic it was. Um, at one point, she tried to sort of ditch the diary. She threw it away yeah. in the, in that bathroom. Yeah, and that's yeah. when Harry found it. Yeah, um, sort of. He this and you sort of mentioned this in the last one where Harry was shown that memory of yeah. Hagrid being yeah. responsible. Yeah, and he sort of says, "Yeah, I showed you that memory to sort of put you off the scent." Yeah, yeah. and uh, and he said, "You know, at the time when I did this, and I framed Hagrid, the only person who sort of." stood up for him was Dumbledore yeah. and Harry has this little little sort of like snap back he's like yeah I bet Dumbledore saw straight through you yeah yeah, and yeah. there's just that little moment of yeah. I don't know defiance which is quite nice yeah yeah very much and the whole way this is set up is I think this is this is a really powerful bit of the book because it is like I said about you know I, I drew the comparison with conspiracy theories and you sort of quite rightly have described what, what Tom has done to Ginny here as, as being an act of abuse and um, it's it's very powerful as an image of how vulnerable you can be when you're when you're very young, and how uh, difficult it can be to work out your spidey sense of who to trust and who not to trust. Yeah, right. Particularly if you feel like everything that's going on around you is going to crush you, and I think that's one of the things that's. Um, 
that's that's really it's the thing you most want to say. I don't know about you. The thing you most want to say to your teenage self is like, it, "Look, it gets better than this." Like you, like you know, like it, this feels like a pressure cooker right now. But you don't have to be this afraid. You don't. You're not. You're only as vulnerable as you could be if you if you believe what you're afraid of, basically. And like, and and so it's it's this really powerful image of like how how badly wrong things can go. And you know, I I do say again, you know, things like things conspiracy theories. I think the the, the, the like um, the hyper misogynist stuff that goes on online now, um, you know, and how vulnerable you can be to that, and you don't have to be as scared as that stuff makes you. Mm. You know, like it's 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 going to be better than that, and 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 this is a really really powerful image of of what can happen if you if you go down if you go down that path. You can you can end up almost you know emptied out of yourself yeah yeah it's a really it's a really great message to sort of write into what what's otherwise sort of a slam bam knockabout kids tale <laughs> yeah, isn't yeah, it right. but yeah. there, there's um i mean there's a similar sort of um really great themes i thought in the first book about sort of um trusting who you are and sort of yeah. the importance of friendship and things like that yeah very much yeah um, but yeah this is obviously we, we get into the to the real sort of the heart of the story here um, and then sort of Harry's obviously as he's realizing about just to sort of how much trouble he's in here and just just what sort of Tom's all about he says uh, you know you, but you've you, he kind of throws the fact that he's not managed to kill anyone in his face just quite funny and you love it when Harry as you say when he gets to that point where he's absolutely pushed to it yeah he's got real steel for things that he really thinks are right he really cares about right and wrong he yeah. really cares about right and wrong yeah and but he will put that in front of his enemies in a way that's actually like got quite a little bit of whip in it. It's like, well, yeah. all right, you haven't killed anybody though, have you? Yeah. Well done. Yeah. You've got a basilisk and you've been unable to kill it. Yeah, you've got literally, it's impossible to look at this thing <laughs> without people dying and current deaths, zero. <laughs> Bravo. Um, and then Tom reveal he sort of he says, oh, yeah, but the Tom says, well, never mind all that. The main target was you, Harry, to get you down here because... I've found out that you managed to sort of destroy Voldemort, and I yeah. want to know how you did that. Yeah, I, I'm very curious about that, and and sort of sort of I was like, why 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 even bothered? And yeah, also not saying I, I didn't because I had to do this at the end of the last book as well. Turned out that was Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you should twig a lot sooner, isn't it? It's like, oh no, here he comes again. <sighs> And uh, and he said, and then Tom reveals it in, and I think in previous books you've had an issue with this, so I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Tom, Tom uses an anagram. He, he sort of you rearrange Tom Marvolo Riddle. I'm a little suspicious about the choice of that middle name. It <laughs> feels like it was to create what is actually I am Lord Voldemort. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's so good. Right, notwithstanding Voldemort as a French thing of like desire to kill or whatever, like yeah. or desire for death, um, but like, um, I just, I just, I mean, Mavolio, Mavolo, it's it's not a name. It's nearly Malvolio from Twelfth Night, right? But it's not. 
feels like it could be in this magical world a magical name but it but it also does feel like she's got the remaining letters she needs and yeah. she's just put it in yeah she's like i need am in there obviously and i'm gonna need to right so that's i mean that's definitely a hacky bit of writing it's also not only i mean it's the rare example of the sort of nested meta hacky bit of writing because it's absolutely a hacky bit of writing on the part of the author it's also a hacky bit of writing on the part of Tom Riddle slash Lord Voldemort. Like, as he looked at how long has he spent <laughs> yeah. as a child looking at his name, slowly becoming aware that he's evil and he wants to take over the world, and then going, well, obviously I need a good evil name. Oh, an anagram. Ooh, anagrams, they're good evil. They're all good evil, hiding in plain sight. Like the, like the snake taps. <laughs> I, the thing is, I can completely imagine... A like teenager boarding class sitting down. You know, you write your own name in like what? Could I? And then I could imagine think, could I do a? Could I do a, like a another name with my name? And then he's looked at it and he's gone and he's seen. Hang on a minute. I've got a, I've got a title. I've got Lord for a start. I've got to do this. <laughs> and then yeah, but the I am at the starts. Yeah, the I just I love the idea, kicker. Lord Mia Voldemort. That's what I'm calling him from now on. <laughs> Mia Voldemort. Mia Voldemort. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I, I love that because on the one hand, like you say, it's it is quite it is undeniably quite a schlocky bit of writing. On the other, <laughs> it is the kind of thing I could completely imagine a teenager, a bored teenager doing with their time as they're thinking about becoming an evil genius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that, actually, and maybe that's, maybe that, maybe that makes it even more meta. Maybe that actually makes it a good and realistic bit of writing, you know, particularly because what that would mean is that Lord Voldemort, with all of the, all of the power, has nonetheless got the emotional development of a 16-year-old, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it just hasn't grown past the things he was angry about when he was a teenager, which you'd have to argue many people often don't do right like uh and that probably informs more harm than good in the world they, they do this bit of verbal sparring around dumbledore um because you say like harry said you know uh betty saw right through you and um he, he, he again sort of twists the knife a bit with this he's like dumbledore's a far better wizard than you ever were he's the only wizard that, he's the only wizard you were ever afraid of and i think tom stroke voldemort gets a gets a really good jab back yeah. In response here, he's like, Dumbledore's been banished by the mere memory of me in this school. This <laughs> is <just> great. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's, it's true. true. Can't but, deny it. But what's going to happen next? Well, yeah. So the fact that Harry's sort of sta- standing up for his, his headmaster here uh, means reinforcements arrive. There's a cry from down the pipe and arrive. Here, here comes Forks, the phoenix, with the sorting cat. <laughs> And Voldemort says what I imagine Harry's thinking here, which is like, is that it? And he says, he says a songbird and an old hat. That, that's what, that's that's what, what he sent. sent. <laughs> yeah. And Harry's like... But the thing is, Harry's response is, isn't is actually that. He's, he, he takes a lot of courage, even from these, what on the face of it, like rubbish gifts. <laughs> he thinks, well, it's a, it's a sort of... It's the message behind it is, I'm not alone. You know, yeah. I'm that, yeah. so, and he can take courage from that. Yeah. Um, so Harry thinks nothing to lose, reveals why um, he, you know, he thinks that he defeated Voldemort and it's that his, his mum died for him and it created yeah. this sort of counter curse. And sort of Tom kind of gets it straight away. He's like, yeah, of course, 
that's it, yeah. it feels like this is some kind of like similar to sort of something that mag- some kind of magical theory that everyone kind of knows but no, never really talks about that no, there are that's certain interesting. things well, that the, you can um, do. the power of sacrificial love yeah. being something that can overturn the the deepest and darkest parts of what it is to be human i think is a really powerful story and mm. i think you're right everybody everybody knows it um and so yeah i think that's a, yeah i think that's that's true and beautiful so um and tom and yeah voldemort's like right and he, he says because there are also there were these similarities between the two of us you know, we, we're both muggle-born. Yeah. We both have this ability to speak to snakes. He thought it, it's led him to believe it was something more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, but again, which, which also shows you sort of, and I think this is explored in later books, the sort of blind spot that Voldemort has to that kind of thing. Yeah. He always assumes it has to be something else. It's so interesting, um, that actually, isn't it? Because like, particularly in the context of magic, where much of how magic is spoken of is sort of esoteric secret knowledge and yeah. you know do this and this and this and this and and, and you know and and you'll get it and, and and actually everything that voldemort does is arranged around the idea of magic as as uh power mm. as a way of exercising control through secret knowledge and there's a lot of dark stuff that proceeds from seeing the world that way actually i think more people see the world that way not necessarily in terms of like your actual magic but a lot of people a lot more people see the world that way than than you might think and harry's whole thing is a testament to love and friendship being profoundly more bright and powerful uh forces than than any amount of esoteric nonsense Mm. And you know, you know the the fact that he's essentially saved and finds family amongst his friends, and and that you know he's uh, his his mum dies for him, and and you know all of that feeds into the formation of Harry's character just as much as the very worst harm that can be brought to him by the worst person there's ever been. And he and and it's this really interesting thing of like the battle over Harry in a sense is a battle between the idea of magic as control and esoteric knowledge and magic as something that happens in front of you every day as as people care for you and as you care for people mm. now speaking of harm you mentioned it yeah the basilisk's on its way to do yeah sorry bit, bit of let's, physical let's, harm. Let's, let's, let's click back in <laughs> <laughs> it comes out of the statue's mouth thuds oh. on the floor how, so how, sorry how wide is this guy's mouth yeah I, I, yeah <laughs> it's funny that because it's a it's a it's an interesting image if you don't think about it too much. <laughs> because otherwise, otherwise, and once again, we come back to accidentally stumbling across Salazar Slytherin carving this own this statue of himself. And not only is it like, are you making a statue of yourself? It's, why is your mouth open so wide? <laughs> or why is your mouth so big? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... A... <laughs> He just that makes me think it could be that statue carving wasn't really in his wheelhouse, really and it's just his terrible statue with his mouth with is massive, wide open mouth as well. It's really difficult. I had to get in there and do all the teeth, do the little uvula thing at the back there, and oh, it was terrible. But it's gonna be really scary when somebody goes down there in four hundred years' time and has to fight a snake that's gonna appear from somewhere mysterious. <laughs> Plain as my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Harry immediately shuts his eyes, of course, because if he looks at this thing, it's gonna it's gonna kill him. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's probably gonna kill him anyway. But he's got to he's got to stave it off as long as he can. Yeah. And then 
Forks comes in on the attack. Yes. Game day player. Game MVP. day player. <laughs> and he comes and he, he, he basically pecks the thing's eyes out. Which nice. Is, yeah, which is... Don't mess with the Phoenix. Don't mess with the Phoenix. And how, the, how he's like, looks scrambling around as this is happening, thinking, what what can I... I need a weapon. All he's got is the hat. He thinks, well, I'll stick this on. Puts the hat on. He's like, help, help. And he feels this thunk on the top of his head. He's like, what's that? Pulls out this sword. What? He's like, now you're talking. <laughs> Let's play. <laughs> and particularly, you just imagine the look on Tom Riddle's face at this moment. Where he's like kind of, oh, songbird and a hat. I'm so good. I'm so powerful. He's got a sword out of it. He's got a, it's a hat. It's a tatty hat. Why has he got a, he's got a sword. Ah! <laughs> So Harry pulls this sword out. He's like, yes, <laughs> the tables have turned. And um, because the stake's blind now, he has this fight. He manages to stab it, kill it, KO. Harry Potter wins. <laughs> but, wins! <laughs> but not before he realises the snake's got him. Yeah. Like one of the fangs has pierced him. And not only is this thing kill you when it looks at you, it's got poisonous fangs as well. So he's he's had it. He's poisoned. He's dying. Uh. It's going to be over at book two. Luckily enough, Forks of the Phoenix Healing Tears fame Aye. is here. So the so the, so Forks sort of cries on him. The tears heal the wound. Oh. Tom Tom Riddle just standing by watching all of this happen, presumably. Tom Riddle rather helpfully remarks, Ah, oh, Phoenix Tears, healing powers. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that bit in Austin Powers 2, isn't it, with the time travel, where Basil Exposition just looks at the camera and goes, I wouldn't worry about the time travel thing too much. <laughs> but so, 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 yeah, Tom Riddle struck Voldemort's like, well, never mind bit of a setback that the basilisk's dead but he's got a wand riddle yeah. so he raises it to kits as he's just going to finish the job himself and at this moment harry very quick thinking takes this fang and stabs the diary with it and the diary immediately starts spurting all and bleeding all this ink and it sort of it kills obviously this this ghost's tied to the diary yeah it kills the memory of this ghost yeah. riddle disappears the diary sort of just bleeds for a bit and then falls flat. Yeah. And whew, another it's close done. another close shave for old HP. <laughs> He's got out okay. And then um Ginny is sort of beginning to come round. They head back to Ron. Lockhart's still milling about, memory blasted away. And um again, if you remember when we met Forks, his other Special trick is he can carry really heavy stuff. So Fox basically airlifts them all out. This <laughs> little bird carries them out. And so I kind of feel a little bit here where uh, J.K. Rowling is just like, oh, this, they've got to get out of this place. Oh, he's just um, no one's going to want to read about how they climb up this pipe and slowly slide back down loads of times. <laughs> like, oh, Fox carries them. Fox out. carries them up. And Magic I, Phoenix. <laughs> Done. I was fine with that. I was like, yeah, no problem. I didn't need a whole chapter of them struggling to climb back up a pipe. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's kind of daft, kind of like, yeah, Chekhov's airlift. But um, 
but at the same time, yeah, fine. Let's, Go there, yeah. yeah. Like you say, do you really want a chapter of them trying to find their way out? No, of course not. We want chapter 18, Dobby's Reward. Oh. Uh, they, they head, so they, they, they carried back to the office by Forks. Mrs. Weasels is there with Dumbledore. Um, obviously, she's thinking she's going to come up and, let's be honest, pick up the body of her deceased child. Right. So she's delighted when she turns up okay. <laughs> oh, she's here. Great. Dumbledore's beaming. Um, Harry explains it all, and Dumbledore believes him. So, um, and Dumbledore's back. Dumbledore's been. Yeah, we find out why in a minute. But oh. Dumbledore's back. Yeah, yeah. good, good spot. Because yeah. last we heard, he was I don't know on gardening leave, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's back, um, walking slowly down the seafront at Eastbourne, wondering where it all went wrong. Yeah, he takes a look at this diary, like what remains of it, and Dumbledore's kind of like in the way, sort of like rivals can be. Like quietly impressed, he's like, "Yeah, that's yeah. quite an impressive bit of magic." To be yeah. fair to yeah, to all yeah, yeah. Voldemort, yeah. um, so, and he says, "Yeah, not many people know Voldemort's sort of origin story and who he was." Yeah. Kind of like amazing that yeah. that he became, and also kind of shows you what kind of what the magical world was like when he came to power. Yeah, like no yeah. one knew anything about him. Yeah, uh, because he decided that's the way he wanted yeah. it. Yeah, um, and the fact that. No one found out in the years preceding is also kind yeah. of, kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> Mrs. Weasley's rule through life, which is quite nice, which is why she sort of admonishes Ginny here. She says, "You know the rule: never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain." <laughs> <laughs> it's like magical one hundred and one. That's incredible, I, and I just love that. That's what constitutes giving your kids good advice. As a, as a, <laughs> Magical advice. His brain. Don't let it think. Yeah. Um, G- Ginny's sort of packed off to the hospital wing and uh, Dumbledore's like, I think it's time for a feast. It's like, it's time to <laughs> he just skips to the feast. Just skips to the feast. How, how are you back? Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's not... Um, He's not above a he's not above a bit of a wind up though, because um, he says he says to Harry, "Now I did say I'd expel you if I caught you sneaking around," and I love Harry's still young enough here to react like, react to this like, "Oh, oh no. no!" Rather than like, "Come on, where's the punchline?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Harry Potter. You know. Yeah, very me. good, very yeah. good. Um, he says, "Yeah, but considering the circumstances, and considering how the last book ended with this part, I, I'm." <laughs> I'm loving this, and uh, I'm savouring the moment before I get to say it. Dumbledore then decides to allocate two hundred points to Gryffindor. <laughs> it's like it's time for a bit of uh, it's time for a bit of tilting the scales for the old house cup again. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time, can you imagine? I, and we've said this before, I'm sure. Being a member of Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff during this time, and you've like painstakingly through careful application and working really hard at your homework you've got a house point here a house point there you've you've clung on with your fingernails for the drawers in the quidditch cup and then and then harry potter turns up just looking a little bit flushed as though from some great exertion and suddenly gryffindor have got 200 house points again again I love it. It's one of two things. This it's either yeah he's he's basically Dumbledore's basically trolling Slytherin for the second year in a row, <laughs> or some other poor house that's about to win just yeah. to just to sort of say oh Harry's going to win the, the house cup again, or Gryffindor have already won it by a first stretch, and he's just trying to sort of 
make him feel important and how he's going to like <laughs> saunter down to the great hall and say look at that and like, yeah, we, we won anyway <laughs> yes it was 10 nil rather than 8 nil thanks yeah, very yeah, much yeah very, yeah very good word very very good word I do I appreciate the idea of Dumbledore uh, trolling Slytherin I do I like also appreciate idea. the idea of Dumbledore just like knowing his place in the narrative structure is to give the hero something really important at the end yeah. and everybody else is like ugh must I be at school in the era of Harry Potter? <laughs> no, um, I mean, even on Harry after one after one year, the sort of importance of the House Cup's wearing off because he's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's great, thanks for the two hundred points. I'm a bit worried about this whole sort of similarity to the Dark Lord yeah. thing, though. <laughs> and and Dumbledore... so uh, two hundred points off. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. uh, but Dumbledore says that there's a nice conversation here where he basically says the reason you can do things like talk to snakes isn't because you you share some kind of bloodline with him it's that Voldemort must have passed some of his powers on to you yeah when he attacked you yeah um so that might explain some of that and they have this discussion about the sorting hat and how it tried to put him in Slytherin and he chose to he chose Gryffindor we said about how this um I think we said earlier this is this is more important than it looked on its first appearance yeah and Harry's like, yeah, I should have gone. I should, I should actually be in Slytherin, but I chose Gryffindor, so it's kind of fake that I'm in there. I yeah. should really be in Slytherin. Yeah. And Dumbledore says that that's the whole point. Yeah. You could go in, but you chose. Yeah. Gryffindor, and he says it's the, it's our the choices. It's our choices, not our abilities, that make us who we are. Which yeah. again, what yeah. a great, what a great sort of theme to have yeah. in the book and yeah. lesson to teach kids. Yeah, very much, very, very much, because your abilities you have or don't have to start particularly when you're a kid like you don't learn right away that hard work changes what you're able to do so you're just like oh, i'm good at this we'll do this yeah and it's so easy to allow that to define you particularly if it happens to be something that you get praised for in mm. school um but then you but then actually it is what you choose to do what you choose to care about what's important about what happens yeah that is that, that defines you good line yeah I think I saw a similar thing. I think Stephen Fry said it, and he said put it obviously much better than I, I'm going to put now. But it was along the lines of how you shouldn't describe people, particularly children, as like bad or good. Like don't use nouns; oh, yeah. use yeah. as verbs. So you're so you can be choosing to act badly, yeah, yeah, and you can yeah. choose to act well, but you're not yeah. one or the other. It's, no. it's yeah, the choice yeah. you make. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not sort of something that's inherent, inherent yeah. in you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's such a great, such a great sort of line lesson to have in the book. Um, and Dumbledore's like, oh, no, pats him on the back. He's like, go get some rest. It's time for me to uh, put out a new advert for our cut price, Defence Against the Dark Arts <laughs> position. <laughs> new advert we need a defense against the dark arts teacher uh must must bring own wand (laughs) own accommodation a bonus (laughs) last two i don't know what happened to quirrell in the first one actually i think he he died die yeah so last one died next one is sort of life-changing mental injuries The, the, so apply, apply <laughs> form an orderly queue. <laughs> Paying conditions considerably low, what you can expect anywhere else. <laughs> but anyway, he's off to put that advert in the Daily Prophet. He says, Harry, you run along to the feast. Hang on a minute, who's at the door? Not so fast, Dumbledore. It's Lucius Malfoy uh, and Dobby. Ooh. He says, what's going on here? I thought, I thought you were suspended. Turns out... Um, when it 
transpired that now Ginny had been taken yeah. to yeah. the chamber. All that I love is, I think I imagine the the board of governors at Hogwarts. This sort of just this panicky group of constantly like <laughs> because they've they've got him they've got him suspended and then immediately further develop another development happens and they all go like, oh, bring him back bring him back. back. <laughs> so they immediately called for his re- for him to be reinstated, and apparently some of them have said that they were leaned on quite heavily. Just suspended in the first place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I really love the way Dumbledore puts this across as well. It's almost like kind of like just the, the, the genial uh, shock of the... Apparently, Lucius, <laughs> yeah. you've been totally evil to them. I was shocked. But anyway, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, he goes further because he starts laying out sort of how the chamber has been reopened and what's happened in the way sort of a detective probing <laughs> for a confession yeah. lays it out. And Harry sort of puts it together himself and is like, hang on a minute, you gave Ginny the diary yeah. way back yeah. at the start of the book because yeah. there's this sort of collision between Lucius Malfoy and Ginny yeah. in the bookshop yeah. when Weasley ends up having a fight with him and he, he, dropped, the, yeah. he dropped the book into her possession then. Yeah. And like Malfoy's like, you'll never prove it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the Wizarding World seems too small to have everybody just walking around with these huge unresolved tensions about good <laughs> and evil going on between apparent members of the same board of governors. Just like sort of, you'll never prove it anyway. See you on Wednesday. <laughs> Harry's got an idea though, as he's leaving. He um he gets the diary and decides he's gonna give it back to Malfoy. He sticks a sock in it, he takes his sock off and puts a sock in it. And um, Mal- he gives Malfoy the diary. Malfoy's like, oh, I love this because it's yeah, it's souvenir. Evil. evil, it's mine. <laughs> evil souvenir. I'll take the evil stuff with me, thanks. <laughs> but he doesn't want the sock, so he throws it to one side. And Dobby picks it up. And hey. Dobby takes it as <gasps> his master's given him an item of clothing. Yeah. He's freed him. Lovely old job. This feels like a very, very easy way of freeing her. I feel like there's been a lot of mistaken freeing of house elves because there's a lot of clothes lying around the average house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people have house elves in order to tidy things up. Yeah. So it's like they do everything, like, you know, repaint everything, rebuild the back of the house, paint things, uh, you know, cook, that's completely fine. But don't ever let them tidy up your clothes. <laughs> I imagine some sort of some enterprising house elves in the past yeah. have kept trying to catch the masses <laughs> out. Like, right, just finish the washing up. Just done the just done the, that bit of painting you asked. Hoovering, I'm doing later on. Quite a bit of laundry. Do you want me to just pick up that? What? Do you, <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to? Should I? Because it's there, and yeah. I could. Will <laughs> I? Good. Do you want me to take that washing in from the light? Oh, <laughs> Cut me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the washing up, got the tea towel here. You know, funnily enough, you could you could almost so he's almost long enough to put around your neck as some sort of scarf. Would you say? <laughs> nice try. Yeah. <laughs> he's just heading out the door. Oh, I've left my scarf in the hole. Do you want me to go get it? <laughs> oh, <mate. laughs> yeah, could you? Oh, I got a minute. No. Oh, wait a minute here. <laughs> it just feels like you con- if you've got a house elf, you just constantly walk in a tightrope <laughs> with this. Yeah, well, if you've got a house elf, what you've got is a slave, so you deserve to be walking every tightrope available. Yes, perhaps you should have freed them years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's Fair that's definitely is. the moral lesson here, is that if it's come down to technicalities about socks, you were already <laughs> in the wrong. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so, yes, um, 
Malfoy's obviously furious because he's going to have to do his own watch. You'd love to see it. You'd You'd love love to see see it. it. Yeah. Mrs. Malfoy's not going to be happy either, (laughs) is she? uh, We've got to do what? So um, straight away, he's just straight into the sort of uh, white goods catalogue. I've got to upgrade this stuff (laughs) in trouble now. Okay, washing machine for a start. So, uh, and then we get sort of to the final couple of pages, the list of sort of great things about the feast. Let me bring this up because I've made, I've, made I've made a note. It must be particularly good. Three, five, eight. So, yeah, this feast, unlike anything he's had before, everyone in their pajamas, celebrations lasted all night. Everyone in their pajamas. Yeah. That's the dream, isn't it? Actually, when you're a kid, it's like it's definitely especially it's a special journey if you start early enough that you're still in your pajamas, right? Like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, you had uh, you've got uh, Hermione running up to him, sort of like reuniting, saying you've done it. You got Justin Finch Fletchley coming over to apologise because obviously, he, yeah. you know, yeah. wrongly accused. Hagrid turned up at three in the morning. They were uh, still going. <laughs> still going. <laughs> Uh, Ron, Harry, oh, hang on a minute. Then they got two. <laughs> Dumbledore gave him two hundred points each. They got. <laughs> they got four. He's definitely trolling. Slytherin well, listen point. to this. I get one of the great moments. Um, it was. It couldn't decide which one it was, including his and Ron's four hundred points securing Gryffindor the house cup <laughs> for the second year running. He's done it again, Dumbledore. He's done it. <laughs> the last Dumbledore is Gryffindor's MVP. There's got to be a conversation between Dumbledore and the other heads of house. Yeah, not just Snape, but the other two. Like, what is the point of this? Every year, this is happening. <laughs> We've doled these out five points here, ten points there, yeah. two points off here. What is the point? <laughs> what is the You're point undermining it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dumbledore. Might be the greatest wizard, might be very wise, might be a very good sort of avuncular presence for these kids. But it's pretty clear that against every reasonable measure of running a school, he's really bad at it. He <laughs> hires the wrong people, he invests in the wrong things, he keeps the place open when it should be closed. He's massively biased towards one house. Hugely biased! Totally destroying the incentive system that the school's put in place. There's, there's one, I've seen a good thing about this in the, in the films. Um... It says, uh, yeah, Dumbledore, completely sort of, completely impartial, completely unbiased, loves all the houses the same. And then picture of his, uh, like, the entrance to his office is a massive griffin. <laughs> Covered in Gryffindor, thanks <laughs> and that. It's a big, in, in the film, it's a big statue of a griffin. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it. that. That's amazing. Oh, dear. Anyway. So yeah, then we, we we get the wrap up sort of. It's a kind of a bit weird. It's kind of like the summer terms there, but also they've done the big yeah. house cut. I suppose it's just they've got these four hundred points, so no one's catching them now. Yeah, yeah. Um, they find out the 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 end of this. You know this, <laughs> the little subplot that we mentioned earlier on in this episode, where Percy got caught doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the nice things about sitting opposite, I could see your like guarded. <laughs> what was this going yeah. expression when I said that? <laughs> no, it, he um, it turns out he was Ginny caught him with um with his girlfriend smooching, smooching. And the re- the reason he was so upset about this um this Ravenclaw getting getting caught wasn't the fact she was a prefect. You know when she got paralysed. No. It was um, it was that it was actually his girlfriend. So. <laughs> I mean, okay, all right, cool. That's, that's a good ending. And uh, and we finish with them heading back 
Harry's back to the Dursleys, but he's like, call me over the summer. You don't need to send letters. We've got these things. <laughs> God, telephones. Just, just, it's not, forget the owls. The <laughs> owls are a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. The owls are going to put a, what is, I don't like him, but what is already a very vulnerable middle-aged man. <laughs> you might just push him over the edge. Let's, let's not just do that. Email me, all right? Just just email me. <laughs> and uh, And so ends... So ends Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The Chamber of Secrets. What do you think overall? I think it's definitely got its um, its elbows and and its its blind spots and there's places where it's quite shallow. I think there are the bits that I really appreciated are the bits where it's sort of depicting the things that happen as you grow up that you're not sure about and that are like ambiguous and could go either way and the ways in which you can be really vulnerable without knowing it and that mm. that whole thing so that i think the Ginny, like i said the, the, the whole Ginny sort of storyline was was great um and and i i like seeing the kind of signs of harry's personality come out in these fights where he gives him a bit of clap back at the right moment and like is is like really really devoted to what's right and and so on um yeah, I thought so. I like it's, it's really whenever we do this about Harry Potter book, I'm like kind of this is a book that literally everybody already has an opinion on, <laughs> and I I don't necessarily think that it's it's solid enough to bear the weight of all those opinions about it. If you see what I mean, because I yeah. think a lot of the stuff she's doing is quite off the peg, really, and quite <laughs> basic, really. Um, but some of the time when you do things that feel quite off the peg and basic, actually they are. Like you can, there are there are moments where they're simple enough to let something really cool shine through, and, mm. and there have been moments where that's happened. I wouldn't necessarily say that characterizes the book as a whole. Like I think it was fine with some good bits in it, um, and and I'll love I'll love Lord Mia Voldemort forever as a as a, as a name. So <laughs> I'll take that. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of think. This one always, I always considered this one actually. I still think it's great, but I think it's the weakest of the series. Really, was it? I do because I mean, I've, I've, we may find when we do the later ones, I change my opinion because it's been quite a long time since I read something. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, I don't know. It feels like it kind of feels like it's it's the book that was. If you like Harry Potter, here's more of the same. Yeah, yeah. Because it because it's very similar. Um, I mean, there's some obviously there's obviously some big differences, but broadly it feels it's the same shape just with different colors yeah 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 yeah. um and i think uh the the third book like the next one she does she starts to sort of stretch her legs a bit and like and and try some more new things yeah yeah um it kind of feels like this is almost quite a i wouldn't say by the numbers but sort of it was written almost quite like a i don't know almost like on the defense like just get it get it right the yeah, yeah. solid second one yeah and then yeah, maybe yeah, start yeah. start taking some chances and and trying new things yeah, after yeah, it yeah yeah um so yeah when you put it in the context of the series i think it's i'd say it's on the weak side my my least favorite of them but i still yeah. really enjoy it. it's still a great page turner yeah i think it's still a great kids book and as we said um on this episode particularly there's some really like lovely messages interwoven yeah, which yeah, i think yeah, are yeah. quite influential when you when you're young and reading it yeah. um but yeah i i i agree with the sort of the, the the broad point in that it's 
it's a good book, but it's not like a it's no masterpiece. No, so. no, 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 and it so. doesn't come close to that, right? Like it, and and I think the best you can say for it is that it wasn't trying to come close to that. Mm. Yeah. Um. But yeah. 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 Well, there we go. So that is that is Potter two done. I suspect we will. Uh, this won't be the last we hear of old uh, old HP yeah. and friends. But um, we will. We'll probably. We'll, we'll, I expect we'll do something different next. Give bit, ourselves bit of a, a break. Yeah. We, we, we sort of learned the hard way with Game of Thrones that there is. <laughs> you can't don't have. Keep going. Yeah, don't keep going. You can have going. too much of a good thing. <laughs> so um, stay um, stay on the feed to see what we what we pick next. If you have any suggestions, for what you'd like us to read, you can always send them to sharkliverallpodcast at gmail dot um, We are on Twitter as well, but I mean a combination of sort of it's not the best way to get in touch and also i don't know how very much longer we're going to be on there so <laughs> the the email is the is the old friend that yeah. you can always get us on so um so if you want to suggest books or, or get in touch do do use that and uh, thanks very much for listening and until next time until next time Bye-bye.